0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Absolutely Not. I am your host, Katrina Stroll. I created this space because so many professionals out there have difficulty setting boundaries at work and I just don't want them to have that difficulty anymore. So I bring resources onto the shows to share their experiences on how to set boundaries at work and resources and how to do it better. Before we jump into today's topic, I like to start by defining words that we use frequently on the show. The first being boundary, something that indicates or fixes a limit. An example of a boundary would be telling someone that you can no longer provide emotional support for them at this moment. Um, You don't have to be rude about it, but letting them know that you can't be that anchor for them anymore is a boundary you're setting for you. Gaslighting, to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. For example, if somebody says to you, No, that's all in your head. That is a big red flag. They are trying to gaslight you, but we know you're strong and you won't take that. Dismissive, showing that something is unworthy of consideration. For example, if somebody brings up a very personal subject that only you two know, you only shared with that person to kind of change the subject or move around what you just shared with them, information that you shared with them that was offensive, or maybe you were setting a boundary with them that's dismissive. It's almost borderline gaslighting. They're really trying to change the subject to ensure that you don't see or so that they are not in the blame seat, but they are. Today's episode is knowing yourself is power. I know these episode titles, they really get me. Like it makes me want to cry every time I read it but this one is so powerful because my special guest today is Shelly Davies. Shelly is living a dream she didn't know she had. Hashtag accidentally awesome, yay. Helping people live more fully, more authentically and more in their truth, yes. She does this with a lot of laughs, her her traditional Maori chin tattoo, and a fair amount of curse words sprinkled in liberally through everything she does, even her website. Interestingly, even with her all-in-the-face authenticity, she's one of New Zealand's go-to trainers of business and technical writing for corporates and government departments. Wow. She's here to talk about all the things she says absolutely not to every single day and how that's bringing her all the joy. Thank you so much, (laughs) Shelly.
1: Oh, I'm Talofa Lava. Kia ora from New Zealand. Hey, everybody. I just am thrilled. I've been counting down. It's been months since we planned this, and I've literally been counting down. Every now and then I would be like, have I missed it? Oh my, oh my gosh, I hope I didn't miss it. And um, no, I'm just thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am a huge fangirl of your work. The what you are putting out into the world with such vulnerability and courage and authenticity is making a difference and I'm so grateful I,
0: oh, and I did aim to
1: make you cry right at the very beginning <laughs>
0: so accomplished yes oh my gosh so um like Shelly said I talked to her a couple months ago and I was really excited especially because our heritages are pretty similar I'm Samoan and she lives in New Zealand and her tattoo really brought me out of my shell of being Samoan on LinkedIn because a lot of people see me and they're like oh okay black girl cool doing her thing being authentic but I also have that side of my background and so Shelly your authenticity is mirrored in me you are bringing it out in so many people oh my gosh you are bringing it out in so many people and I cannot thank you enough for doing so. Oh, before I cry the entire episode, let's talk about the title, Knowing Yourself is Power. Where did that come from?
1: The last uh, nine years of my life has been a really interesting journey. And there was a very significant turning point where I left the religion that I had been raised in. And it was not a religion that was doing me any harm. I don't have a story of oppression or anything like that. My whole family are still actively um, part of that religion. But I I had a pivotal moment where I realized that to stand in my truth, I needed to walk away from that and explore what life might be like seeing things differently Um, that was the most painful time in my life it was terrifying I couldn't find my footing for a really long time and it meant hurting my family who are really really good people so at that time I had to um, put a boundary in place about what was mine and what was not mine and acknowledge that Their pain around my choices wasn't mine to own. I wasn't doing anything purposefully harmful. I was just stepping into my truth. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. But in the last nine years, the amount of work that I've done to learn who I am and to love myself fully and completely, warts and all, right? So when I talk about knowing self, for me, it's with the purpose of loving self. And I don't think that we can truly love ourselves if we're not also aware of of the shitty parts of ourselves, right? Or or the parts of ourselves that get triggered or the parts of ourselves that are not our strengths. I I could list for you easily the things about me that are not my strengths and are never going to be my strengths, but I do so with zero shame. I do that with power because I know that those are not my, that's not my jam. That's not my wheelhouse. And I'll make sure that I have things in place around me to make up for those gaps. I can I can tell you easily the things that are not my jam. And, and those are not, I'm, I might call them weaknesses, but they are not deficiencies. It's not a negative. It's power because I understand. Yeah, a little ranked there, sorry.
0: No, that's, um, oh my gosh, that is amazing. One of the things you continuously added was that was, that is not my jam. I love that you're saying I'm not taking ownership of that because it's not mine. Um, mm-hmm. What are the some, what are some of the things that you're not taking ownership of currently? Have you had to do that recently?
1: Oh goodness. Um, I am a mother of four children and a number of grandchildren and um, as a parent I spend a lot of time deciding what's mine and what's not mine. Um, What things in my young adult children's lives, it's so easy as a parent to take on all of their pain and to want to fix everything and the journey for me of learning not to enable as they go on their journeys, letting them experience the the consequences of their choices, being here to love them and witness what they're going through and hold space for them, but not feel the need to fix it. Uh, Right now, literally today, my oldest daughter is having some real challenges. She is having a hard time and she's working really hard on making that everyone else's problems. And I'm like, I don't accept that. I don't accept your narrative of what's going on right now. I'm here and I love you. And I see your pain but I'm not gonna accept the responsibility to fix this particular pain. And I think that that's a powerful way of parenting and really fucking hard.
0: <laughs> and really fucking hard. Um, when you said, I don't accept your narrative, it reminded me of a time when a manager said that I was scary. Um, just from me simply asking, hey, what are we doing next week? Um, could you make sure the next time you call me, you put on my account? By setting boundaries, she indicated that I was scary um so that was her narrative I had a decision there to be like okay great I am a scary person internalize that I need to stop being so scary so that people love me would you encourage people to do that to stop being so scary (laughs) no
1: what I hear is that you're uncomfortable you should examine that discomfort that sounds like a you problem and not a me problem
0: (laughs) (laughs) which is once again saying okay that is not my jam like I don't have to take that on
1: damn straight I once had another powerful woman give me a phrase that she was using in her life so I will share it now with you guys which is I don't accept that so someone says their truth I understand that's your version of truth but I don't accept that and and this woman in particular she was talking to her father who was saying things you know oh you need to do this you should do this you're too much this whatever it was and she said I don't accept that as an as an adult woman to her adult father she found a huge amount of power in that I thought that that was awesome
0: right um so by setting these boundaries with people whether inside and outside of work and for anybody listening out there although this is a podcast simply about setting boundaries at work. As you have heard through the several episodes that I've had, this stuff flows right over to your personal life. So the sooner you learn it at work, maybe it will flow over to your personal life. Did that happen to you, Shelly, or vice versa?
1: Yeah, for me, it's the other way around, definitely. In learning personal boundaries, then I was able to have professional boundaries. So a couple of things, right? Number one, um, I am self-employed. And so I'm not dealing with employment issues or having to deal with putting boundaries in place with employers. I'm a consultant. And for me, being a consultant means that I am all-powerful in my world. I say yes to the work that I want to say yes to. I say no to the work that I want to say no to. And if I'm engaged with a client and it's not going the way that I want it to, or it's you know it's it's impinging on my boundaries, then I will cut that engagement off. And I recognize that that is a very privileged space to be in. So I just want to acknowledge that you do amazing, amazing work with people in workplaces and that they're dealing with their boundaries at, in the workplace. Now, the second thing for me is, Um, for me it was absolutely a case of finding personal power and working on personal boundaries before I could have those in a work environment, in a professional environment. And to add to what you said about um, how there's a flow over, uh, I I don't actually believe in separation of of professional and personal. That for me and my values and my way of showing up in the world, that does not exist. I don't want to shut off any part of myself mm-hmm. in my professional space. And my experience has been, and I, again, that's a privileged position to be in, that I'm safe enough to do that, that I have enough experience and protections around me and whatever that I can do that without any risk to my livelihood, my, my well-being. Um, but like you and I have previously talked about, When we show up fully and authentically and vulnerably, yes, there is risk to us, but the benefits for me far outweigh the risk, just far, far outweigh the risk. In particular, the gift that people who are showing up fully like you and I and so many others, the gift that we're giving to people who are not quite as far along on the journey, that they can see people doing that and that we're okay, that we're surviving the risks, it, it's a really, it's a real privilege to me, but I just wanted to make it clear that I don't separate personal and professional. If I can't be fully me in a professional space, I'm not interested.
0: Um, I hate this. <laughs> and <it's>, I know. <laughs> uh, uh, but I just wanted to uh, repeat again that, and we talk about this so much on the show, that this is really Personal boundaries. This has to do with you as a person. So, anything that you take from this show, make sure that you're kind of aligning it to what your needs are and where you are in the journey. Um, I do want to emphasize the fact that you said somebody had you had cut an engagement with a client, and this goes for any relationship, professional or personal. If somebody is crossing your boundaries habitually. Um, you need to cut the engagement, even if it's not all the way, cut that person off. Like, okay, I I don't think I'm gonna talk to you until I'm ready, until I've processed what you're talking about, because I I cannot do it right now. I just can't.
1: Yeah. Can I um,
0: give you one of my coolest little
1: tools about how to have a boundary and how to push back when people are pushing on your boundaries? Because it's like a stealth way of pushing back because it sounds awfully like a yes, but it is not a yes. Okay, so when someone says, can you do X? Can you do this thing? Can you write this report? Can you um, do this engagement for us, whatever it is? And when I don't wanna do it, or I'm not willing to do it now, or I don't wanna do it in the way that they want me to, then I will reply with, and this is it by email usually because that's, that is my jam. That is where my wheelhouse is. I'm really great by email. I'm a writer. Um, my reply is yes. I can do that. And then I follow that with conditions. Yes, I can do that um, once we, like in two months. I'm not available for two months. Yes, I can do that in two months. Yes, I can do that once you do X, Y, and Z. You know, so you want me to just do the thing and you want me to do all the research for the thing as well as write the thing i'm like yes i can write the thing once you've done the research into this and you provide this and this to me so an ability to um it's a it's a very gentle kind of pushback and it might not work for everyone because it might not be assertive enough but for me um it feels really powerful that i can be friendly and accommodating and still not give into your bullshit.
0: Mm, and still not give into your bullshit. Um, I just wanted to repeat that part because it. this reminds me of so many times for managers when um, they're saying, hey, I need you to do this, this, and this. Having those conditions in place is when they feel, oh my gosh, but you need to remind them, hey, I can respect you as a manager, but I'm going to need for you to see me as a valuable asset on this team, um, mm-hmm. somebody that you cannot lose and who a human being who needs these conditions in place if you can't do that then I'm not going to respect you as a manager
1: yeah and and for those of us who are just people pleasers from way back because I am like I have had to work so hard
0: to be a people pleaser in recovery. and
1: <laughs> Those of us who are people pleasers from way back and it hurts our little wee hearts to say no and we're scared that people won't like us and we're, we're scared to upset people and we feel sick in the pit of our stomach when we think there's tension or conflict coming. The ability to be able to start that pushback with a yes, yes, I can do that next week. I can do that after I finish the other thing that you asked me to do, or I can do that if you're okay with me not doing the other thing you asked me to do, or so the ability to kind of go yeah I can help you with that, under these conditions, it, it, that feels powerful to me
0: so so much power behind it and for everyone out there that's been listening for a while you know that we give a lot of methods and i love that shelly is bringing another method to the table of just saying being able to say yes because i know a lot of us we're not at that absolutely not phase of our journey yet we can't just say uh no i don't do that plus a lot of us need money to pay bills and stuff so we do need to be able to say yes with those conditions Um, But I want to remind everyone that's listening out there that boundaries are not meant to make the other party uncomfortable or to upset the other party or to start a conflict of whatsoever. They are meant to keep you safe and to ensure that you're getting the best out of everything.
1: And I want to add to that because my favorite definition of boundaries, and I'm so oh, sorry that I can't remember the name of of the author of this quote right now. Um, When you post things, when you post things, I'll make sure that people know who said it. But my favorite definition of boundaries is, boundaries are the distance at which I can love both you and I simultaneously. That is just so much truth for me. It It is the line that I draw. It's the distance at which I can still like me And still like you. I can still respect me and still respect you. For me, the big, big flag that I need a boundary in place or I need to revisit a boundary or hold fast to a boundary is the feeling of resentment. If you are feeling resentful towards any human being in your life, that is just a message to you to go, hey, You've got an opportunity here to put a boundary in place or to tighten up a boundary. Resentment is the signal for me that there needs to be a boundary or that I need to re- revisit a boundary because if I'm feeling resentful towards you, I'm 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 not standing in my truth. I'm not holding fast to my needs. I'm allowing you to impinge on those and therefore I feel resentful towards you. But actually, I should own that, not you. Mm -hmm. I need to own the power of putting my boundaries in place. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to jump in with that.
0: No, and that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, It reminds me of so many times when I thought I had bad leaders or I thought I had people on my team who were awful and I just hate working on projects with them. But the fact of the matter was, I would go into that project and carry the whole weight. I would never put my expectations on the table. I would never set boundaries. I would never say, hey, you need to carry some fucking weight. What are you doing? Like, I'm, yeah. So for anyone out there listening, please take away from Shelly that this is for you. You need to do it and carry the weight that is for you. Go ahead,
1: Shelly. It's self-love. It's an act of love to self so that you can be well, so that you can feel whole and unharmed by putting a protection in place that says at this line, I can still like me and like you. But if the line is pushed um, in in either direction, then the resentment builds up and, and we can get stuck in that cycle of I'm so angry at all of you for doing this or not doing that. And then you go, hang on a minute, what do I own here? What am I doing about this? Oh, I'm allowing you to... Um, you yeah, know, I'm the one that's, that's not holding fast to what I'm expecting from you. I'm the one that's allowing you to do me the harm. So actually, rather than sitting in victim mode and expecting others to change, what can I do? What power can I do for myself?
0: Right. Um, and for anybody out here, the, I created this space because there are so many people out there working in organizations who are just expecting their managers to know their needs or just, expecting for the organizations to magically like oh they should know that i'm disabled and that i need to be able to not do zooms every five seconds no you need to let them know voice your boundaries and if for some reason you get pushback then you know okay i have to i have to do something i have to go somewhere
1: yeah we can't hold things against people for them not being mind readers we have to own part of that and go am i communicating this
0: great Mm. and communicating them effectively
1: yeah 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 that too
0: um can i jump in and tell a story yeah because um, I know
1: you have a, an international audience or maybe a predominantly North American audience, and people might be wondering what this thing is on my face. Is Shelly just into facial tattoos? It's kind of badass, but what is that about? Um, and so I just wanted to tell a little story and explain what this is about because it was a huge part of me um, stepping into my truth, stepping into my power. It was a terrifying experience because of, it was going against my family and my, my parents' wishes, and it was going to, it was going to, Um, cause pain to some people but again I had to put that boundary in place about what do I own here and actually if they choose to feel hurt by my decision of what to do to my body I don't own that and it is and I don't own their pain and I love them and I will witness their pain and I will be here when they're ready to talk about it but I don't accept responsibility for that pain so basically um, a few years ago so this is called a moko kauai. Now, moko is the word that we use in Polynesian, most Polynesian cultures actually, to describe the markings that we put on our body that speak to our identity and for what we as Maori call whakapapa, which means literal translation is genealogy, but much more it's about the literal connections and bloodlines, both past, present and future. So whakapapa, which is genealogy, is about how you are tied along this, this never-ending history, right? Um, and so, and Koai means the jaw. And if anyone's ever watched the Disney movie, Maui, have you ever seen that Disney movie? It's a kid's movie, Maui. And um, he has to get the magical jawbone from his grandmother. And so for us in our traditions, um, muriranga Fenua is this goddess who was Maui's grandmother. And the colonized and patriarchal version of the story is that he tricked her and starved her so that he could have her magical jawbone. Our, our reclaimed and powerful version is she was smart and she knew that he needed the magic of her jawbone so that he could do the things that he needed to fix the world. So I mention this because the name of this thing on my face, it has connections to all of those ideas, a grandmother sacrificing for the good of her grandson in the world. And um, my great-great-grandmother had a moko kauwai. And um, that was around the time that the missionaries arrived in New Zealand and colonization and Christianity and all of that. So no one in our family had one until me. And a few years ago, I um, acknowledged the longing that I had to carry this, to wear this, to have a statement on my face about my identity and who I am on the inside and showing that on the outside and just to carry the traditions of my ancestors. But immediately as I recognized that desire, there was a thought that said, but I can't. It was just instant, they were simultaneously connected. I wish I could, but I can't. And I had to go, hang on, who says I can't? And I realized, well, church did, but I'm not at church anymore. My parents would, mm, I'm a, I'm a grown-ass adult. I don't actually have to do what my parents want anymore as, mu- as much as that's difficult because I love them and they're good people. Um, would anyone else say, oh, some people have ideas that maybe they, I shouldn't. I don't buy into that. Oh, wow, I'm the only one that's saying that I can't. It's literally just me stopping myself from stepping into something that's my birthright. And so then I decided that I was the only person who needed to give me permission. And I think that that's what I probably want people to to hear from this story. What are you not giving yourself permission for? What powerful thing of stepping into your truth or your needs or whatever it is? What are you not giving yourself permission for? Because once I gave myself permission, then I went and had discussions with the people in my world. I did not did not ask anyone's permission I did not go to my parents and ask for their support I went to them and said I've made a decision to do a thing that I know you're going to find really hard so I'm here to talk to you about it and so there was that that boundary that I made of I give myself permission to do this thing I acknowledge that that's going to impact on other people but the meaning that they give to my decision they own that I don't own that so just because people are seeing my face I wanted you to understand what this thing is it's uh um it's it, it's part of me being showing up fully and authentically me my family were worried about my career what are people gonna think and and again I had to go well I know that I'm not gonna lose any clients because they know me and and they might whether they are comfortable with it or not, it's not going to change their desire to work with me. I felt very confident with that. Might I not get new clients? Hmm, Potentially. Would that mean that those new clients who don't like what's on my face are racist? Yes. So do I want to work with them? Fuck no. Okay. I'm good with this. Let's go with it. And that's, that's how that went. That's how I end up today looking like this in front of you.
0: And I, I cannot thank you enough for sharing that story with us, because I'm sure a lot of people that are going to listen to this are thinking about making a decision, whether it be career related or in their own personal lives, that they're waiting for permission to make this decision. And Shelly is here to let you know that the only person that you need permission from is yourself. So go ahead and have that staff meeting with yourself and get it together.
1: (laughs) Give yourself a serious talking to.
0: And wonder (laughs) why you haven't made this decision yet. Man, I, I cannot get over that. I'm going to ponder that and try to figure out my life. But for right now, we're going to continue on with the questions. My last question before I open it to the floor for you is going to be for those new professionals out there in the field, what are the top three tips that you'd give them about being authentic and just being true to yourself?
1: I think that um, a really powerful position for us to be in, especially early in our careers, is to understand our own personal values, because it's when our personal values are impinged upon or clash with other people's values that a lot of tension arises. So if I could go back and talk to 20-something-year-old me early in my career, I would have said, "Shelly, go do some exercise, go do some therapy, go do some whatever work is required to understand what your values are. Because once you understand them, then when you feel triggered by something or harmed by something or um, uncomfortable with something, you can drill down to which of my values is being touched on here, Who? what's, what's clashing here, and, and often the power rests in being able to look at someone else and go, oh, you've got a really different value. And that's why I'm finding this so hard. But it also gives you the power to not take it personally right? and, and not demonize just because you have a different value about this thing. And that triggers me does not mean that we can't work together, does not mean that you're a bad person, does not mean I have to take it personally. And uh, and how powerful to to work in the world in a way where we can go, I understand why what you're doing makes me feel this way. And therefore I can own my feelings around that. You asked for three tips, that's one tip. Know your values. I don't know if I have another one right now.
0: (laughs) That one was kick-ass enough. I just want to reiterate to the audience that Shelley at no point said to dismiss the feelings of harm or uncomfortable. If you feel them, you need to acknowledge them and process them. Um, And that's what she's encouraging you to do is when you're identifying your values, you'll be able to say, oh, I need to process this. I need time to figure out where it's coming from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. i never ever should we dismiss discomfort, ever. It has a message for us, it is important. The work that I do after feeling discomfort is to, fear, is to figure out where that's coming from. And if it's coming from a value, then um, that, that is clashing with someone else's values, then I'm gonna ask, figure out where I can draw that line, that boundary and find the distance where my value is okay and your value is still okay. Because I don't need to change other people's values I just need to know what I'm going to do about mine. Um, I can give you a really great example, which is not specifically about a value, but from understanding my strengths. Because I think if I were to give a second tip to 20-something-year-old Shelley, it would be about that. Learn about your strengths now so you can leverage off them. Um, I am um, in a bit of a project with a couple of colleagues. We're doing this really fun thing. I've been running all of the administration of it and when I sent out some costings to everyone um one of the people on the team was not super happy with what the profit margins were looking like on that project right now and um and and wanted to revisit some decisions that basically I had made because uh, because of timing and I had made executive decisions now people pleaser me was sad and triggered and felt sick in the pit of my stomach oh I made it um, I made a bad decision. I, all my failings are showing up here. So I am really great in the moment, in the present. One of the things that is not my jam is long-term strategic thinking. I am consistently surprised when things happen and everyone around me goes, well, we were just waiting for that to happen. Um, <laughs> they all find it super entertaining. And my brain's never going to work that way. I can love the power of my abilities in the moment and in the present. I think that that's a huge strength. And I can recognize that I'm not always great at the forward planning and and that that's that's okay. So when this other person who is a strategist, so her wheelhouse is the long-term thinking, came back and went, oh, I'm not okay with this. I don't like the way it's looking. And I felt uh, triggered by that. It didn't take me very long to be able to go back to her and go, okay, cool. This is where I acknowledge my shortcomings and um, am excited that your superpowers can come into play here and you can help us fill this gap. Mm-hmm. It would have been so easy for me to just be uncomfortable in that relationship, feel judged or criticized, get defensive about, well, I've done all the work. Why are you criticizing the work that I-? like? I could have done all of that? Mm-hmm. And I was super proud of myself that within minutes, I could go okay I'm big enough to acknowledge that um I that this is not my strength you do have the strength let's bring our powers together and just make magical things happen right so there's there's an example of when we know ourselves we can be really powerful
0: so awesome um I think that transaction of defensive um mechanisms or um, being defensive happens a lot when you kind of go into a toxic environment and you start setting healthy boundaries around yourself and then everyone else around you is like what the hell is that we don't do that here <laughs> have you experienced that before
1: i'm experiencing that in parenting at oh, the moment.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the same as in a toxic um, work environment but Absolutely. When when people step into their power, when people put healthy boundaries and protections around themselves in a space of toxicity, the people who are contributing and benefiting from that toxicity will feel incredibly threatened and triggered. Absolutely. And so the thing is that when we have boundaries, we have to expect that others are going to be uncomfortable with that. We have to be not surprised when they are triggered. We have to be not surprised that they have feelings around that and just, "Mm mm-hmm, yep. Um, I I really like being able to kind of go when people um, express their discomfort with my position that I take on things. I really like being able to go, yeah, yeah, I hear that that's really impacting on you, period. And just, yeah, yeah yes that sucks for you
0: (laughs) not my jam
1: just that full stop crickets allow the silence don't feel like like yes yes i hear that that you don't like the the um the stand that i'm taking
0: Mm -hmm. because then that leads into you trying to please that person shifting yourself into not being your authentic self and oh -hmm. yeah and we don't want that at all
1: no no we don't
0: Okay. That's amazing. And to 20 year old Shelly out there, I hope you're listening because these, these, this is amazing tips. This is the part of the show where I open it to the floor. Anyone in the room can ask questions to Shelly. She knows everything about anything. So feel free to put her in the hot seat. I'm going to open the chat up and see what people have been saying the distance at which I can love and respect both you and me at the same I know right I love that Shelly told me that months ago and I've held on to it for for dear life <laughs>
1: I'm I'm on my phone because I left my laptop in a different city I can't see the chat so will you read me the question yes
0: question have you ever had a boundary that was super important at one point in your life that is no longer important today
1: yeah, so I have a son that um, that struggles with addictions. And so again, this is not a, a professional boundary. This is a personal one but my personal boundaries give me strength everywhere else and at times on his addiction journey I have had to put really strong boundaries in place, boundaries that I needed therapy to put in place and to hold fast to like really hard things and so I did at one stage when he had been suicidal a number of times and I had whisked in to try and rescue him and I I kept trying to save him from the consequences of his actions. And, and I, I put some boundaries in place to stop enabling him and then I put some more boundaries in place and some more. And eventually I, um, we were at a point where he was so low and so desperate and he would call me and just offload all of his pain in my direction. He would cry to me and be so desperate for help and, and potentially suicidal. And, and it was eating me alive because i couldn't fix that pain for him i couldn't fix those problems for him i could do nothing for my baby and i had to say to him you are no longer allowed to call and point your pain in my direction you can call me and tell me what's going on in your life you can call me and talk about visiting your sons with me you can call me and you know, give me updates but you may not make any requests of me including me holding space for your pain. Right now, I do not accept holding any space for your pain because it is causing me too much pain. Your choices are causing me too much pain and I do not accept accept the responsibility to hold any of that pain. Now, 18 months later, he's doing pretty good. And I'm so, so happy to be able to say that right now, I can be a sounding board for him again. I can lower that you know release that boundary shift that boundary because I see him trying really really hard and let's face it life is hard <laughs> so he's trying really really hard he still needs some emotional support I'm willing now to open that door and give him some emotional support again so there's an example of shifting a boundary uh, like I said it's really super personal but those those are the examples that I have
0: um, I can, um, I cannot thank you enough for sharing that today. Um, you did not have to, and yet you did. And I really appreciate it.
1: It's been my most powerful ever lesson and terrifying, um, but hugely powerful. And once, once you've held your hardest ever boundary, then the other boundaries get a lot easier to hold. Um,
0: and once again, I just, want to reiterate that that boundary wasn't to hurt her son it wasn't to say that she doesn't love him it's that she loves him so much that um she just needed space and time to be able to come back 100 for him when he would need it um but she can't do that if she's constantly taking on things that are not her jam
1: yeah and and please understand that to get to that point i had done everything in my power everything for years to get to that point where i could say no i can actually now in good conscience um put this boundary in place because i can't save your life adult young man i can't do that you're the only one that can do that
0: oh my gosh um and in that lies kind of the accountability part of boundaries once you set that boundaries, you're holding the other party accountable for the actions you've let them know, you've voiced what you need, your needs, your expectations, and the other side needs to, okay, what am I gonna do with this information? Because now the ball's in my court. Oh my gosh, that is a a very, oh my gosh, my face is hot, my everything is hot. Does does anybody else have any questions for Shelly?
1: I think while we're waiting for questions, I think there've been a couple of quotes of the day, but I would like to add a third quote of the day, which is life is a motherfucker. Okay, people, it just is. And I know that might sound offensive to some people, but oh my gosh, the things that life throws at me every single day. And, you know, one of my most powerful lessons has been, and I think I've said power and powerful about 500 million times on this podcast. Clearly, someone agreed. I'm like, yes, good. Clearly, um, personal power is... Very, very important to me. That is that is my journey. And my, my wish for the world is that women, especially, because I have a really a place in my heart for women, um, but people feel powerful in themselves, mm-hmm. not power over anyone, not power in contrast or in comparison to anyone, personal power, power in self, understanding no matter what life thro- throws at me, I have the ability to survive. I have the ability to thrive. I have the ability to be resilient. I have the ability to recover, to respond. Um, That's power for me. Mm Oh
0: my gosh, that Mm -hmm. is power for me. And for anyone listening out there, I need you to make a list just like Shelly did. Whatever that power means to you, write it down. Make sure you're reminding yourself of it every single day. This is what my power is. These are my superpowers. These are my strengths. These are my values. And this is what I need to st- stand firm in to be firm in myself. Man. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Oh, question. Describe in one word what it feels like to honor your boundaries.
1: Powerful. Powerful, I think really, really closely behind that is joy. <sighs> um really closely behind that is a feeling of lightness uh because um feeling powerless feels really heavy to me feels really bogged down um so when i feel powerful i feel light and and then i feel joy
0: i do not know why the word powerless you've been saying power this whole time but the word Powerless is making me want to ball like a baby, and I think it's just because when you're not setting those boundaries, you're giving your power to so many other people the ability to do whatever they want with your life. You are completely powerless.
1: And I think any time that we've experienced trauma, whether it's as a child or as an adult, any time whether it's person you know in your personal life or in a workplace we feel powerless when we when that trauma occurs and so the idea of feeling powerless is is definitely something that that sets up a lot of feelings for many of us my absolute desire for people for humans is that they can feel powerful and i don't think we can feel powerful if we don't love ourselves i don't think we can love ourselves if we don't truly know ourselves and all of that stuff requires huge personal, internal work. No one else is going to give you power. No one else is going to help you love yourself. No one else is going to give you those feelings of joy. We have to do it for ourselves. And then everything else around follows.
0: Everything else around follows. So make sure that today and every day moving forward, you're going to start concentrating on yourself and your needs and your expectations and what you want your life to look like because it's all possible you just need to have that staff meeting every single day
1: <laughs> can, um, I, can i can add that i would hate for anyone to think that i've got it sorted I would hate for anyone to think that i just because i feel powerful in my world that everything's easy and goes well and it doesn't i could be found cr- crying in a corner on a fairly regular basis that's part of the process you feel the thing the shit goes down you feel the thing you work through the thing you come back up feeling powerful right so i just would hate for anyone to think that just because i can articulate where responsibility lies and how I'm able to work through things does not make it easy and does not mean that I always haven't it sorted. it. It is a constant, continual, daily thing. And the most powerful women that I know in my world uh, would say the exact same thing. Like, yeah, I've got some great tools and I cry in a corner regularly and lose my shit completely. That is part of it. I just want to make sure that we make that really clear. I never want to present myself as someone who has all the answers or who has a perfect life, <laughs> not even remotely, but I feel powerful in my world.
0: But I feel powerful in my world. And one of the words that we use frequently on the show is journey. This is definitely a journey and nobody's journeys alike. Um, it may sound like Shelly and I have similar journeys, but her journey's over here, my journey's over here. And some days she may be up and I might be down. So make sure that you're not comparing your journey with anyone else's because yours is very unique and it all comes from you. Um, mm-hmm. um, for anyone else li- listening out there, I just want, to remind you that this space is for you. Wherever you are on the journey, um, I am welcoming you into this space because I'm still on that fucking journey and it's so fucking hard. And um, obviously I'm crying on the screen at least once a week. So I'm here for you. We're on this journey together. Shelly, thank you so much for being such an amazing special guest. My last question for you is going to be, who are the people or what are the things that have kind of pushed you to become the kick-ass person that you are today? Hmm.
1: Who has pushed me? People who have influenced my ability to become kick-ass or
0: people who have,
1: yeah, explain a little more. I wanna get the answer right.
0: Absolutely. So for me, um, giving birth to my son, I a light switch went off in my head saying, get your shit together, get, like, fix everything right now, wrap it up.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. The experience of parenting has, has forced me to do a lot of self-examination and a lot of work, probably the experience of parenting and, and now grandparenting has been the motivating factor because that is where my biggest challenges have have laid or have lied i don't know the right word um that is where the most pain i've experienced and pain is a huge motivator for change i'm like i don't like this this fucking hurts i just i want to change it i want to fix it help and i would go to a psychologist or whatever um, i I've, I've come from a place where 20-something-year-old me um, believed that she was a, a bad mother, a, a bad, bad, failing, terrible mother, and I carried that narrative with me for many years, and, um, and that, that personal critique, that person that judgment of self, that harsh, harsh, narrative to self has been the biggest driver for change for me Um, and yeah parenting can I also say that having a safe place to land who in my world is my partner um, he didn't push me to change but that security and I describe it as having a hand on the small of my back you know, when you walk through a door with someone wonderful and they just kind of, oh, oh, it's a feeling I just described. He he had the safety of a soft place to land has enabled me to take risks, to do the hard examinations, to um, to be kind to myself, to be really hard on myself and challenge the, the blind spots and the things that are holding me back. And... Um, I find it hard when I can't say to someone else here's how I did it if you haven't got a partner and you haven't got a safe place to land then I don't know what that looks like I know what my experience is and I know that I would not could not have gone through this journey without the security of someone having my back no matter what I could always come back and just cry in his arms and yeah That sounds really sooky, but but, um, parenting has made me uncomfortable enough to do the hard work. Having someone love me completely and and wholeheartedly has given me the safety
0: to do the work. That sounds amazing. Um, What is making me cry again is a safe place to land Um, for a lot of us on this journey. Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry saying this. For a lot of us on this journey, we have not had a very safe place to land for a really long time. And having a safe place to land has just like Shelly said, enabled us to say, okay, it's, it is time. We need to face this stuff. We need to start believing in ourselves. We need to start being the best person that we can be. So I really, I hate that so much, but I'm, going, I'm gonna say it to everyone now. Um, I'm,
1: oh, sorry. <laughs> I do believe that we can can build a safe place to land for ourselves that's not necessarily a partner because that's not part of everyone's journey but I do believe that to attract the right people around us who can be that safe place we have to show ourselves so I don't think that if we if we live guarded and not being vulnerable then we don't give ourselves the opportunity of having people truly see us and build that security of safe, that network of safety around us. So it's so cyclical, right? I wanna be safe enough to take risks and therefore I need to take the risk of showing myself and becoming vulnerable in the hopes that that will then attract the right people who can be my safety network as I continue along in the journey. But I do wanna say, and we know from the work of Brené Brown, right? Vulnerability is the basis of um, connection. It's the root of connection. We can't have connection if we don't show ourselves. So if you need a safe place to land, You have to figure out how to show enough of yourself to allow others to become that safe place.
0: Uh, I also hate that. So, but for anyone out there, please listen to her words. Um, We are living in an age where a lot more people are coming out. A lot more people are being who they wanted to be when they were 10 years old. And I love it. I love it so much. And I hope it encourages you to do the same. One of the things that Shelly touched upon was she asked for help when she felt uncomfortable, she, she was like, okay, I need to find somewhere to go. Somebody is going to help me do this crap and figure it out. Um, so anyone out there listening, please ask for help. Be very honest in the help that you're asking for and just start shouting. I shout every single day. Just say, I need help with dot, dot, dot. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, if anyone is uh, in a culture, a family culture, a workplace culture, where asking for help is seen as a weakness. I just want to um, encourage you that getting counseling or therapy or some kind of help is never a sign of being broken or needing to be fixed. It is a sign of powerfully taking control of the direction of your world it is a strong thing to do to go I need some help with this I can see that I'm being held back right now by whatever it is Um, I am a firm believer that we have all of the resources internally to live healthy well thriving powerful lives and that often someone external to us can help us to access those I do believe that we have everything that we need, but having someone else to help me tap into that, having someone else to bounce off, I have my psychologist on speed dial and I will for for the rest of my life. That is not a weakness. That doesn't mean I'm broken. That doesn't mean I even have any kind of particular condition or label. It means that I am a smart, resourceful person who draws on the resources around me in order to be my best self. So if you have any doubts or negative self-talk around asking for help or going to therapy that's my truth for you oh, and
0: it's like mic drop. Just, yes yeah. and what an amazing <laughs> mic drop it is um once again anyone who's listening this has been absolutely not my special guest today was shelly davies and she kicked everybody's ass with the power of being herself and i love it i hope she kicked your ass so much that you go out today and be your true self and stand in all the power that she gave you. Um, For anybody listening, these episodes can be found on stroll.com. Please support, review, and do all you can to continue just being yourself and setting boundaries where you can. We will see you next time. Bye.